What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rising Above podcast, a platform for you to share your story. Oftentimes, we all have something that happens to us in life and we have no way of sharing. Many people want an outlet, whether it's writing a book or going on a massive networking platform or starting an inspirational social media account. With the Rising Above platform, anyone with an inspiring, motivating, or interesting story can come on and share. It could be anything from the struggles of starting a business, the struggles of overcoming homelessness or mental illness. I've interviewed victims of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. There is no subject that is off limits. This platform offers a safe and fun way for you to share your story through a one-on-one experience. If you would like to share your story, the best way to reach out would be through social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook or through email. All the links will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. All right. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess, and today I have Chelsea Wooten with me. She is a cancer survivor, and uh, she's, um, I guess, currently homeless, but she's working on bettering her life and trying to uh, create a more stable environment for herself. Um, so I guess with that being said, Chelsea, how are you doing today? I'm hanging in there. I'm, uh, happy to be here and I feel privileged that you wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Erica had messaged me or she messaged us both yeah, and yeah. was like, Hey, you need to talk to her. So, um, so are you from the Lansing area? No, no. I was actually, uh, born in Virginia beach. My dad met my mom there and then... Uh, when I was about two or three, we moved to his hometown, which is Seymour, Indiana. I don't know if you've ever heard the song uh, Small Town by John Mellencamp. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that small town really? that I was raised in. Yeah. Um, and that song plays at every event, <laughs> let me tell you. So, so um, you're not a fan of it anymore? I'm not a fan of Indiana. Uh, <laughs> I, I really miss my family a lot, but I moved here. I moved to Rhode Island after um, I actually graduated high school. I wanted to just get out, and I chose, like, Johnson & Wales University. I went for food service management, culinary, pastry, and then I got a minor in psychology. Wow. So I did a little bit there. Where did you go to school? Uh, Johnson & Wales University. Okay. I actually got an internship at the Disney World Polynesian Resort, and I worked for uh, Kona Cafe, Ohana and their sushi bar but I did that for three months and it was just expensive to live there so I decided to go back to Rhode Island finish up my degree and then I stayed out there for about another year and worked and I just started to kind of miss my family Um, being 24 hours away from them was pretty rough so I then moved uh, back to Indiana for a little bit I then found um, my ex and I got pregnant (laughs) and he's the joy of my life but it definitely um 
put a spin in my world, and I didn't want to raise my son in the same environment that I was raised in. What kind of environment were you raised in? Um, just a very bad meth town. A um, lot of drugs, a lot of rehabs, a big trucker town. Um, very scary place. Um, I mean, it, it has its benefits, obviously, but there was just not a lot to offer for my son, like education-wise, programs-wise, sports. Like, There's just so many things that we can do in Michigan that I couldn't do in Indiana with him. And uh, I really appreciate that. So when uh, we moved here in 2019, May, and I was pregnant, uh, I then had my son in September. And then five months later, I was diagnosed with ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And you, so, do you uh, want to explain what that is? It's uh, one <coughs> of the most common childhood cancers but it's really rare in adults. So I'm actually on a pediatric protocol and uh, it's very low doses. I'm in maintenance stage. Um, that's why you see the hair. Um, I was in induction phase to begin with and I lost a lot of weight. Um, just wasn't a good time for me. Um, and then uh, probably around uh, Feb February 15th was my diagnosis and then I got out of the hospital three weeks later and COVID hit. Wow. But I was neutropenic, which means my blood cells were really low. So I couldn't go out anyways. And I had to wear a mask and it was just, um, it was scary. <laughs> it was a scary time, especially going into a hospital, um, having to do treatments alone. Right. Um, you probably felt compromised right like yeah your, like your health already was already compromised so you probably were afraid of yeah it was real scary in what? the beginning but now i feel <clears throat> a little better about where we're headed um but yeah i just i luckily um when i first moved here i got into contact with a breastfeeding group um and i met a couple oh mothers through the willow tree family center and they were just amazing to me they visited me in the hospital. They took shifts holding my son because he was there for three weeks with me. We had a crib wow. in the hospital room and uh, that was fun, switching him to uh, bottles completely from uh, exclusively breastfeeding. Wow. Yeah. Now, how did you become homeless? I was um, not with the right person. Um, things change circumstances really prove how strong someone is um, so I think that we uh, we just fought a lot we decided it wasn't good for Finn so I actually stayed with a friend for a few weeks but our kids kept fighting over toys you know mm -hmm. three under three <laughs> yeah it was pretty bad um, but I really am grateful for that opportunity to have like a safe shelter but now um i am in the msu safe haven so um they actually take care of me really well um give me gas cards and groceries and i actually don't kind of want to leave <laughs> it's really nice um but i just i uh i am fearful that somebody else would be in my situation and not have those same resources mm -hmm. now 
what is it like being homeless with with kids? Because I was homeless when I was a kid, um, my b- before I went into foster care, and like it wasn't that terrifying for me because I was a kid and I figured my mom had everything under control. But I could imagine being her in that position, in living on the streets with with kids. What is that like? Um, it's really scary because I don't have any family from here. Um, I don't have a huge support system, but uh, it's it's been great to have the split custody. I've been able to get a little bit uh, of things done. Mm-hmm. He makes it really hard. He's almost two, so he makes it really hard to be on the phone or just <laughs> doing know. dishes, you know? I know what that's like. So <laughs> I just... Um, I use those days to kind of like look for places for us and that's what I really want. I just want to I want to find us the perfect place and I think that he doesn't really understand it right now and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful that he's not going to understand this, but he's going to see that one day, you know, mom toughed it out and got us out of there, but hopefully uh hopefully he sees my effort. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think uh Sorry, I'm like losing my voice. No, you're good. I'm talking. I'm, I've been doing podcasts <laughs> a lot, so I think I'm losing my voice from talking too much. Um, but uh, I think he'll see your efforts. He'll see that you tried to, you know, better your guys' situation. What kind of steps are you guys taking now um, to to kind of get out of the situation that you're in? Uh, right now, I'm just looking for a private rental or a house. I can get a two bedroom house for us, and um, Holy Cross will pay for the first six months and they'll pay for my down payment or my you know rental app and uh they'll also well i don't know how long the holy cross will be because section eight should take over and then my rent will be highly discounted for a while so now you were saying before the podcast that uh finding housing right now is not easy no no and especially after covid um I've heard from a lot of landlords, they're kind of weary about um, people with bad credit scores. Um, I have student loan debt and I just don't have the greatest score ever. Um, So it's been a little challenging and I just hope that somebody will work with me because I have that guaranteed voucher. Um, That's just, that's guaranteed money. So hopefully now that I have that, somebody would be willing to work with me. That's kind of a, it seems kind of like a backward system Uh. because if you're in a situation, you know, like that you're in or anybody else who's struggling to make it, you would think that they probably wouldn't have a good credit score or like Mm -hmm. a good like financial situation to begin with because they're in that position, right? So why do they make it harder? Yeah, I I found that um, a lot of them are willing to help, but the places go very quickly too. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, like, inspections that need to be done, and they just need to be well-kept because there's the city's paying for it, I mean, essentially, or the government. Right, right. So, essentially, that's all in all. But, um, yeah. So, you um, don't have a job, but you, you do do, you own kind of a business, right? Yeah. So I actually, I do, um, I started Color Street February, 2021. And that was right before I left my ex. I wanted to become financially independent before I took off. So today I brought you a sample so you can see how easy it is. 
Um, I'm actually doing my first vending um, at the first annual Eastside Summerfest. It's August 27th through the 28th, and it's on Michigan and Foster Ave, and there's no entrance fee, and there's a ton of people vending. Well, I didn't bring scissors. <laughs> Here it is. So uh, I started Color Street to become financially independent, but um, I really enjoy getting my nails done, and sometimes moms can't afford the nail salon. So I actually, uh, it's this dry polish, and it only takes like a second to put on. So do you create, do you make those things? No, I do not. Actually, uh, a guy named Bob Park did, and it's a man, and he created this business, and it's just really taken off. But you can see it's already on, so it's really good for people with kids, my mom's, and it's already done. Wow. So. That's interesting. Yeah, and it comes um, in a pack of tin. So this is just my sample kit, and uh, I just kind of threw it together, but... I usually carry samples with me all the time, and I just, I've found a couple people who help me, and I actually, um, I try to do, like, little things for my good customers. I do giveaways, and I do, um, like, a website and everything, but I really like to, uh, like, help. I know some customers, like, one of my customers lost a job, and she didn't know if she was going to be able to feed her family. And so I gave her a gift card that somebody had given me because I mm. am getting groceries from the shelter. And I gave her a mental wellness asset, awareness asset, because she's from my therapy group. Oh, cool. So I decided that, um, I mean, she needed that. And I gave her some face masks and just some, like, little self-care essentials. And I told her I hope she's having a good time and she can get past this and hopefully... Uh, I can help her a little bit. <laughs> so you said you get you do giveaways and stuff on mm -hmm. like social media. Yeah, yeah, I do. <coughs> I have a Chichi nailed it is my business. Chichi nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> Chichi is actually a, a nickname my nephew gave me. He couldn't pronounce Chelsea, so it just <laughs> stuck. I'm Aunt Chichi now, and I actually uh, I do hula hooping and I go by Chichi. It's just like a little nickname that just stuck. Um, but Chi-Chi nailed it. I do the website, and uh, I do, like, a Facebook page, and uh, I usually do a monthly giveaway. Okay. So if they post a nail fee is what it's called, so, like, you know, they take pictures of their nails and stuff, um, I'll put them in an entry. Oh, cool. And then I always let Finn draw the name out of the hat so it's fair. <laughs> That's a good idea. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always good. It's good to kind of get him on there. Actually, I... Uh, I do live videos, so I did a demo one day, and I did a demo on him, <laughs> just to show how easy it was with a two-year-old, and he uh, he cried after I put it on, so <laughs> we had to take it off. <laughs> now, how, how easy is it to take those things off? Oh, it's simple. I actually give people a uh, nail polish remover wipe. Oh, okay. Yeah, just simple, and actually, I have a trick. I uh, posted a tutorial of it, but you can take a bowl of rice and heat it up in your microwave for 15 second increments. Okay. Um, take a plastic baggie and a couple dryer sheets and pour some remover in. And you're gonna have to keep microwaving the rice to kind of keep it warm, but hand temperature, and you just kind of do this. And it gently 
like exfoliates with the dry cloth and hmm. takes off the polish. So a lot of people will wrap their nails okay. and I feel like then you can't do anything. Right. The good thing about this is that you can go back. You could stop for a little bit and go back. Right. So now um, how how successful is this? Is it a business? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, I I uh, really create my own success with it. Okay. Um, however much effort I put into it is, is how much I'm going to get out. Um, so I haven't made like, you know, big bucks, but there are people out there that are doing really well for themselves. And once you get um, enough clients, you can eventually become a team lead. So right now I'm a bonus qualified stylist. I got that mm-hmm. after three months of just working. Um, I actually, it's been a little slow lately. Um, and I haven't really put forth the effort. Well, you're also doing chemo, right? I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. Um, <laughs> I just had five days worth of chemo, and then I'll go back on the 30th for a day. Oh. And then in 30 more days, I'll go back for a lumbar puncture, which is like a spinal tap. And then um, I get an infusion that day, and I take oral every day. Wow. That must be difficult. What does it feel like? It's overwhelming sometimes, but I've gotten past the hard part. And I hear a lot of horror stories that make me grateful for what I go through. Um, Being in the peed ward um, was very eye-opening, you know. Because you're around kids that are going through cancer um, treatments. Yeah, like I heard a kid one day, they asked him how he was doing, and he said, well, I don't have any good days anymore. Wow. And that really, I mean, he looked about eight years old, and I really just, I'm grateful that my chemo worked. I'm grateful that I have an 85% success rate, and I take that medicine like it's nobody's business (laughs) every night. (laughs) I would imagine. Yeah, and then sometimes they actually have me skip it because my numbers will be low and I have to get um, a shot. I've actually taken shots home and had friends do it for me because I can't do it. Um, You would have to inject yourself? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Absolutely no way I could do that. So my friend actually, she's my best friend. She went through IVF. She actually uh, did it for me. She's like, we can do it in your butt. I was like, no, (laughs) no. So, so you messaged me the other day and you said you had a bunch of good news and you wanted to tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. The Section 8 housing actually came in, right? And I've been getting a lot of good phone calls. I'm actually going to look at a place on Saturday. And like I said, the vending show that I'm doing, that's my first ever. Um, I really hope that a lot of people come down and check it out because there's going to be bounce houses and live entertainment and just food trucks. And what, what's the purpose of the festival? Uh, it's just to celebrate the east side community. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. to, I guess, show pride in it is what they said. Yeah. It's now, the first one, so we'll see. Okay. We'll see how. Um, so what's your long-term goals? Obviously, you're trying to get out of the position you're in. You're trying to take the next step into becoming a homeowner or, you know, yeah, having yeah. your own place. What's your, what's your long-term goals? My long-term goal is, it's not really long-term, it's more short-term, but June 2022, I will be done with chemo. And I always tell people that I'm going to be like a phoenix because I've been put down for so long. 
I just, I'm ready to like explode. I'm ready to be my own business owner. And that's, I don't think the color street will be something that I do long-term. I do appreciate that it keeps me busy and it's, it's fun to do now. Like I love doing my nails Mm -hmm. because chemo, that's a self-care thing for me. I'm big on self-care, but I just really, um, I really want to own my own business and I don't know what that's going to be, but I think it'll come to me and, uh, hopefully if not, I'll, uh, probably go back into the restaurant industry cause that's what I'm good at. Um, Oh my gosh, Oliver needs to go. I worked, uh, I worked quite long hours and night shifts and stuff, so I don't know if that would really go well with my son nowadays. My life kind of changed after that. I did do a little bit of, um, you know, I was a line cook. I did a lot of manager's positions, and I did a lot of uh, waitressing, but... I think I was just trying to find something I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I always did, but I was always, like, wanting to do something new. Like, right. I think that's why school kept me so um, entertained, because I was always learning something new, like um, sugar work or breads or... I'm, s- I'm sorry, what did you say you went to school for again? Food service management, okay. but I went for culinary, okay. pastry, and then I got the psychology, because I figured with the... Management. That would mm-hmm. be good. I should have, honestly, I really regret not getting my entrepreneurial um, degree. I think that would have been a beneficial step for me. I mean, you could always go back, right? If my loans would allow me, yeah. Right. Um, I did, somebody told me that LLC or LCC is offering free courses, so I was oh, going to wow. look into that and see. For entrepreneurs? I don't know. I need to see what they uh, offer, but okay. somebody just mentioned it to me and said single disabled mothers could definitely wow. uh, qualify. So, wow, and that's be. that's like like I mean it's like a blessing and a curse to be <laughs> disabled, homeless, and single, but it really gives me a lot of help, the help that I need. Um, being disabled and. And homeless gives you the help you need, or, or um, the, the the systems. Well, in play. the systems in play for that. Okay. I think um, there's a lot of people that are homeless that don't get my situation. They don't get into my situation. They. It was it was very smooth for me, and I wish it was that smooth for everybody else. Do you think it was smooth because you have a, you have a kid? Yes. I know that's why. Because, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of homeless people out there mm-hmm. that, that are just living on the streets. Now, do you think that's a lot of that's a choice or mental illness? What do you think that is? No, no. I actually, this is the second time I've been homeless. Um, I stayed with a pair of uh, people that I worked with in high school. My mom kicked me out at 17, and I had to finish high school without my mom. Um, so I don't actually talk to her anymore, but we um, we definitely are, um, I'm very, I have a very traumatic experience with that situation. Um, and I just, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm assuming that you were homeless at, a, like, what was, what was the first, the first point you were homeless with your child where did you like have to sleep on the streets how did how did that no no i um i got in a fight with my ex 
I left and I luckily had a friend from my group therapy that um, took me in. She, uh, she had an extra spare room and she had cameras and next military uh, husband. So it was very safe place for me to be. Um, and then some drama arose with my ex and I ended up going to the safe haven. So I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I don't think it's the person's fault. I think, I think certain situations um, we're supposed to help each other and we're supposed to like stick together like a village. And that's what I've really found here in Lansing is that is a, there's many villages and they all work together that's to kind of build up these people. That's what I'm kind of discovering by doing this podcast is there's, because uh, I've been interviewing like local business owners or people who run nonprofits here and here locally. And uh, it's, it's like this own like ins insular like community of people and they all seem to know each other. Yeah, <laughs> Except yeah. Except for me. I don't know any of these people. Until well, I you're getting, <laughs> you're getting there. <laughs> Especially uh, you mentioned uh, Jerry Norris yeah. from The Fledge. I actually, I was going to Sparrow Cancer Center at the time and I was going through a really rough time. Couldn't afford food. Um, and I just seen a free food stand just sitting there. And I was like, what is this? I seen a bunch of plants. I was getting into plants really much, like house plants and stuff. And I was like, I got to go check this out. And uh, I kind of was like staring, like, what, the, what is this place? And uh, he uh, came out and he was wearing his mask. I was wearing mine. I was bald. And he, uh, he introduced himself and he went inside and brought me a whole bunch of extra food. And then... The next week, his wife, Shannon, um, she delivered three bags worth of food to me. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, the community that I've built here um, with the Fledge and Willow Tree Family Center and EPO, which is Expectant Parents Organization, and then um, NextGen, which is uh, the breastfeeding community that I was in, there's just a lot of people meeting and trying to better the world <laughs> now you were talking about i think before the podcast about how you couldn't breastfeed your child right because um of the fear of passing on the cancer to him I, through breastfeeding i breastfed him exclusively for okay. five months i had a i had a terrible time with the latch um i got it a couple times in the hospital but it seemed like the nurses were really getting frustrated with me so i kind of just gave up and pumped and they were really amazed at the numbers that I was producing. Um, I was overproducing. So I went and seen a couple people, and uh, I found some lumps in my chest probably about 20 in five months. Um, wow. So I honestly thought it was severe mastitis, which is an infection, um, like large abscesses. Um, do but it from from breastfeeding yeah i took antibiotics for a week uh, i remember stretching and doing yoga and opening up my chest and i kept coughing like a fearful like a really forceful dry cough and i thought man this is really weird so i went and i seen my doctor again i told her i said i have a cough now these antibiotics aren't working and these aren't shrinking and I can't get anything to move. 
So we did a bunch of blood tests. They sent me for ultrasounds, x-rays. And luckily I had just had an x-ray in August when I was eight months pregnant. And uh, I had heat exhaustion, so I passed out. And they see nothing, nothing came up and it was completely clear. And then within five months, I had probably a, they said a three by three mass on my windpipe. And they admitted me into the hospital because they were afraid that I couldn't breathe um, on my own. I was fine, I just kept coughing. So then um, we spent three weeks there, but actually when I got my port, which is my medical port I have right here on my chest. Um, it kind of helps my medicine go in. Um, but I got that and the, medic the medicines that they then did for my lumbar puncture and everything at that time, it, uh, it definitely uh, was not breastfeeding friendly. So they told me to stop, <laughs> but I had to, um, I had to kind of read my phone a little bit and I was looking and somebody had messaged me and she was a doctor and she told me that the, uh, the cancer that I had, she didn't know if I knew much about it, but it's from China and that it could be an STD. She asked me if I spent any time in China and I said, no. And then she said, well, is there any way that you could have this virus? And I said, I don't know, I'll ask them. She said, well, you need to stop breastfeeding because you could pass it on to him. And I kept going because I asked my doctors and they said it was no issue. Um, and I actually had a freezer stash. I had 40 ounces in a freezer stash. <laughs> so we used that to kind of um, help move him from formula. So we split it kind of half and half. And uh, that was tough. He he refused it for a while, but we eventually got him on track and now he's in sippy cups. And Awesome, and he's doing fine. He's yeah, nice and yeah, healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think the five months that I put that work in really, uh, really was the beneficial thing for him. Like that was at the most uh, beneficial time. So, and actually they, um, they say you can start purees with kids at six months and he was five months. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of congested. You're good. But, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he did a champ. He was a champ and, uh, he definitely, he was my, uh, he was my best doctor. Awesome. <laughs> now, how did you come to know Erica? She, Erica. She's running that, um, that nonprofit yeah, yeah. That's, uh, she's trying to launch as well. I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, Jubilee. Jubilee. Yeah. 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 I should have known that. Why did I not know I that? I was hoping they could help me already, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're getting there. And hopefully, maybe one day I'll help her. But um, I actually, the first time I met her, she was um, asking for performers for the Fledge. <laughs> and uh, when she asked for performers, I hula hoop. I've hula hooped for eight years. And I've done yoga for about 12. So I picked up hula hooping after, you know, a little rave phase. That was fun. <laughs> um, but it really turned out to be like a good mental meditation thing for me. And uh, 
I just kind of do dance with it. So I did, I signed up for a performance and she was organizing it. And uh, yeah, I just, I happened to talk to her. And then a few weeks later, I actually met her at the Punks for Lunch. Okay. Um, and I did a hula hooping for them. That They really like it out there. And the yeah. kids were playing with them and stuff. I bring extras. That's cool. And uh, yeah, it was it was a whole lot of fun. And I met her and she kind of, shared her story about, you know, her struggles. And they're really similar, different, but very mm-hmm. similar. And uh, we just kind of bonded over that. So I don't really know her too well, but I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, she, she was a real friend. I had her on the podcast. Yeah. And she was real friendly, and uh, I, I enjoyed talking with her. She actually invited us to do the um, When September Ends Festival. Oh. And so yeah, my wife's going to have a bunch of art work awesome. on display and stuff sweet sweet yeah actually you're selling it right you're selling artwork cool cool yeah so um is there anything else you want to talk about while you're on here uh, uh, you have a list a little yeah, notepad yeah. let over me there. look and see if i uh no i uh i really uh i could talk to you about um my culinary background yeah, um, let's talk I about did, that. I did some management positions. I actually worked for um, what's called a Captain D's seafood restaurant. Okay. And I was the, uh, not the general manager, but the other manager. So just the plain manager. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I really, I feel like I'm good with the public. I really like to uh, be personable. So I think that'll be exciting to go into that vending show because it's, what I do. Um, I actually did a, I, uh, I was poached by a, uh, Circle K employee and he had a full kitchen in this gas station and he wanted me to run it. So what I did, I went in there and I turned the place around. I got rid of a lot of old product and brought in some new stuff and tested out some new products and stuff, but it turned out to only be me wanting to work there. So it was really tough in the end, and I I ended up leaving. You didn't want to work there? No, it was just, it was a lot of work for one person to handle, and they wanted me there every day. Right. And I just couldn't do that mentally. Right. I I eventually broke down. I mean, I did it for as long as I could, and then I just said, I'm sorry. I can't do it anymore. So do you ever, I mean, because you obviously went to school for culinary, do you think that you'll start a restaurant one day? No. You have no aspirations to want to? Not especially in this time. No. Um, I've just seen too many horror stories again. Um, And I just... Opening up and then having to shut back down? That or just not being able to manage finances very well. Um, You have a large overhead. That's what I like about Color Street. I have a small overhead. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of product. Right. And I can get rid of it pretty easily. Right. Um... I looked at a lot of other MLMs to kind of keep me busy, but this one was the one that really caught me because it was so, like, um, they told me it would fit into the cracks of motherhood, and uh, that kind of sold me. Um, It's been very flexible. Um, I've worked a lot of management positions, like I did uh, Murphy's at the Walmart gas station, and uh, there was a lot of times where I had to put myself in some danger and uh you know I just didn't really feel like 
that is the direction that I should be going with a college degree. Um, but I would think that with a college degree, you could do a lot of different things. Um, yeah, and I actually get jobs very easily. Um, if you, if you, can you grab him and hand him to me? I'll hold him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I fine. think that's what he wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. He, he actually looks just like my cat Maui. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, um, I think, um, I think I want to either be a manager. I really like being a manager because it gives me that freedom of kind of working for myself, Mm -hmm. but that's why I like the color street too. And if I apply myself more to that, when I get like a, a place, you know, and I can get an office and I can get kind of settled in, I think I could do more with it right now. I'm keeping it really small and just kind of stress-free okay um i just don't need the extra stress if you if you uh go back to the beginning of my diagnosis i had several doctors that i just i decided i did not want to work with them anymore they didn't make a great team with me um but now i think i've finally found that uh that person that wants to work with me um it was funny when i sat in his office for the first time I I cried a little bit because he just explained things to me in a different way that was a little easier for me to understand Mm -hmm. and he uh, he then told me about things that I didn't know like I hadn't been tested for uh, RSV um, residual something virus or something Uh, but I actually just had a bone marrow biopsy. I'll have another one at the end of my treatment. And they, uh, they tested me for RSV and they tested me, um, my genetics and they said everything was, uh, being rearranged by the chemo, that the chemo is doing what it's supposed to do. And yeah, I, uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully we can stay on that same page. I've had a lot of issues with um, scheduling because I used to go to chemo five days a week. Um, Now it's not so much. So it's getting a little harder to schedule because I have to schedule out for other time. But I really have to be on them about, you know, hey, you scheduled me for an extra chemo. Or, hey, um, I think I'm supposed to have chemo this day. Or... They don't know. No, and They're actually, track of if that? you see, um, if you see my calendar that they give me, it's about this long. Jeez. And I get a new one every night, eighty eighty-five days. Wow. So I just use that as a calendar now. It's like right. it's actually like four pages taped together with little hand marks on it, and we have to like sometimes move my chemo and like. Oh. It's. It's a challenge. <laughs> What's so when you go, when you when you're going through chemo, obviously you kind of have to plan around it. Like you had when we were trying to schedule this, you had said we can't do it last week because you had chemo. Mm-hmm. What is what is a week of chemo like? I <clears throat> go in on a Monday and I get my labs drawn. And I like to get them drawn out of my port instead of my arm so that I can stay accessed is what it's called and only get one poke. Um, so I will go home. I have a patch on and a real long cord and, um, I have to wear that for five days. So I'll go in the first day. The first day is always the longest because I got to wait for labs and then I then got to get pre-
pre-medded and then IV fluids. And then they'll give me, they gave me last week what's called nalirabine. It's actually made from like a plant extract. Okay. And uh, so I get that for five days. But while I'm on that for those five days, I take what's called prednisone. You probably know it's a steroid. I've heard it, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it increases the effectability of my medicine. Okay. But it also helps me gain weight, and it gives me an attitude. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing, right, that you're gaining weight because you said during chemo you also lose weight. Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm really proud, so I share this, but I started out my pregnancy at 95 pounds, so I was really tiny. Wow. Um, and they actually said on my CT scan I have what's called brown fat. It's a higher metabolizing fat. It's like, thank God. <laughs> um, That's what but, I need to have. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I'm, I tell you what, I got the rarest cancer and that. But uh, I actually am now up to 102, and I've been increasing by weight. That was last week. So I've been increasing by weight a pound each week. So I think being in maintenance stage is really giving me a better quality of life. I have more of an appetite now. I can go out and do things. It's just, it's really, um, once you get over that hurdle of induction mm -hmm. and everything, it's just so much better. Because they Is were giving me, um, in the beginning, they were giving me a medicine called Donna Rubison, a.k.a. the Red Devil. If you that have, sounds pleasurable. <laughs> if you have too much of it, it can weaken your heart. Wow. So I have to be careful about taking certain medications on my heart, um, which has already been weakened. Um, and then they had me on, obviously, the nalarabine. I get vincristine in, on the 30th. I go in there for one day, so they won't even put the patch on me. I just go in there, sit for a couple hours, and leave. So okay. chemo does take about <laughs> three to four hours, sometimes six. Wow. One time, 12. What? What do you do while you're doing that? You just playing on your phone? like? I do a lot of my MLM. <laughs> okay. And I do a lot of video chatting. I do um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. <laughs> just <laughs> anything to keep me busy. Um, there was a, a lady I had on the podcast who, she was young too, and she had breast cancer, and she... I'm San Filipino? Yeah. yeah. Do you know her? I have. I've met her through Messy Monday. Okay. It's at the uh, uh, Mother and Earth Baby Boutique. Okay. She has uh, like a little toddler class, and I took my son. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she was talking about how she's taken more of a holistic perspective. Um, yeah, you. Did, have you tried anything that maybe she has tried? To, I have. You obviously do yoga, you said. I, I am a strict, strict yoga person. Um, yogi, I guess you call <laughs> um, But I have tried, I, I've listened to your interview, and she talked about the acupuncture seeds. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I threw up for three days and I took them out. Wow. So they do work, but I just wasn't ready for that kind of detox. Okay. Um, I probably should have done it a different time, probably not during chemo, probably right. after when I had expelled a lot more. Um, 
And then I did do a massage. I'm getting ready to have another massage, so I'm really curious about how this is going to go. But I actually was driving home and started throwing up in my hand on the highway. From the massage? Yeah. What kind of massage is it? It was just a free hour massage. And three I, hour massage? A free. Oh, free. Free hour. Sorry. I was going to say, three no. hour, I need to go to this place. Right, right. <laughs> and I, um, I think they actually do what's called oncology massages. They're supposed to increase your uh, circulation and things like that. Okay. Um, Get the blood flowing. Yeah, yeah. Know. And it definitely detoxes you. Um, so why do you think you threw up? I actually have had a lot of nausea. Um, chemo, I'm on three different types of anti-nausea med. I usually just take one. Um, I'm on Zofran, Compazine, and another one. I don't ever take it, so I don't remember what it's called. Um, but the Compazine doesn't cause me to have headaches, and I really like it. It doesn't upset my stomach. The Zofran, I get the Zofran um, actually pre-medded during my chemos. And it's okay. Um, but I definitely, I used to have to double up. Um, I guess, honestly, I should have just detoxed it out. Um, but it was it was just rough. It was rough having a two-year-old holding him back, throwing him in the trash can. <laughs> yeah. And then... And he obviously well, doesn't know what's going on. A lot of people don't know that um, the three Ps are toxic. So pee, poop, and puke. So a chemo patient has to flush twice. And you have to clean your toilet like pretty frequently because you're expelling those chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, a lot of little things you didn't really know, and then right. you uh, waste a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> and it really stinks when you have a toilet that doesn't flush twice. <laughs> oh, man. Because <laughs> then I feel bad, but then I'm like, I, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> But, um, Dump a bunch of chemicals in there or something. Yeah, yeah. A scary, a scary thing. Um, it might be TMI, but when I was breastfeeding, I actually had to pump my breast milk and dump it for a while because I continued to lactate for a while, and uh, I was in so much pain. My nurse at the time, she was crying with me. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and uh, she was like, "I'm so sorry, honey. Like I've been through this, not this, but you know, I've been through breastfeeding, and I know it can be painful." So she actually got me um, this big ice thing. It's supposed to go on your leg, and it's hooked up to a big machine that's filled with ice water. Okay. And they changed it out about every hour, but I just had that on my chest sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was amazing. <laughs> and I actually, uh, a lot of people, when I thought I had mastitis, my mom friends were like, oh, um, try heat, try heat. But heat was not working for me. Um, so the cold, I was like, uh, if you need me, I'll be icing my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was a it was a fun time because I made I made it that way. It was a it was a positive experience because of my nurses. My family came to visit me. My friends. I was overwhelmed with how much love <laughs> I had. Now you said you listened to that that interview with Jessica. Um, she talked about how uh, her breast cancer was due to a bad relationship. Um, 
and particularly, I think it's the left breast. It like signifies if you have cancer in that breast that oh. that it's a bad relationship. So it's like kind of like the negative energy you have in your life. Gotcha. What do you what do you think about that? I think. I think because when she told me that, I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." I don't know how true that is. I, I think oh. that we as humans are very dumb on what we know but I think that there's a lot of things that we don't understand and that are really significant um, so like your mind body and soul being connected yeah chakras yeah I think um, people are weary because it's old old testament kind of you know like um, I don't know if it I, I, they see it as almost like a religious practice for yoga almost like people um it's woo use woo. it as enlightenment right um so i think uh i'm a believer in all that but i also think we kind of create our little uh issues so well, I, mean, I think uh i think honestly if i'm if i'm being 100 percent honest with you i think my cancer came from the chemicals that i was using in kitchens for it to have effect on my central nervous system i was breathing in a lot of uh grill chemicals so i'm more of a believer that i think the environment mm -hmm. is kind of the issue right i really i really think that um that is it eastern medicine is that what it's called West, western, western medicine? yeah um i'm not very educated on it but i do believe that it does help like i said the the acupuncture and the seeds and all that stuff it really um opened my eyes to like how much I needed to um, just kind of get in tune with my body. Mm -hmm. But that's what yoga has always helped me do. So I can't sit here and say that that stuff prevents it. Because what's going to happen to you is going to happen to you no matter what. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think traumas create stress in the body. And I think that is also a trigger for illnesses. Mm hmm Absolutely. So I do believe that that's kind of, that's my take on it. But I really, um, I'm still on my journey. I don't like it being called a journey. If I, if I, <laughs> I, I um, it's not, it's my, my struggle. It's, it's the struggle. It's your path. Yeah. That's a better term because journeys are supposed to be fun and you're supposed to like enjoy the ride. I think so. I I think some journeys can be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not so fun. Yeah, I just, I think there's a positive spin on journey, the word journey. But I, I think if you, if you, if you talk about like your journey, like mm -hmm. if you look back at your journey, like, oh, that's where I was as opposed to where I am now. Like this, yeah. that was an interesting journey. Yeah. That was a fun, like not fun, but you know, like that, that journey made me who I am today. Exactly. Um, I definitely think that uh, I have a journey, but cancer is not my journey. That's a small part of who I am. <laughs> and it'll be gone before I know it, and it's not going to come back. And I believe in manifestation. So I really believe that if I continue with this positive mindset that there's nothing that I can do to prevent things from happening, but I can better the quality of my life. Mm -hmm. I think if I keep that path, 
I'll be on a journey, but sometimes I fall off that journey. Yeah. And it, it stings, but. That's life. Yeah. 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 You, you pick yourself back up and you just get back on the trail. Exactly. Keep going. Uh, I'm uh, definitely riding a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's definitely a roller coaster. Life is definitely a roller, co- roller I guess, coaster. I guess I shouldn't <coughs> say that I don't like the word journey. I just, it really bothers me when, um, it doesn't bother me, but it just, it's one of those blanket terms yeah. that people use, like, oh, that was my journey. Like, I, that was, this is my fitness journey. It's kind of like my spiritual um, journey. I lost my brother. I lost it's my, my woke brother. my journey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. I lost my brother when he was 16, so I kind of, like, um, I heard a lot of, I'm sorry. And although I, like, really appreciate that sentiment, it's just, like, it's really just kind of half-hearted. And... Um, I've been really like fortunate to experience that and be able to give people a better response than just oh I'm sorry. Right. Like um, that's what I got a lot when I was diagnosed. Oh I'm sorry. Well why are you sorry? You're not sorry. You're sympathetic. Right. You're empathetic. You're don't be sorry. I really hate that because they say that sorry is a cover-up for abused people. Like, people use it to um, kind of, if they're abused, they'll use it a lot. So, um, I've tried to stop myself from saying sorry so much because most of the time I don't have anything to be sorry for. Like, when if you're... It could be just anything, right? Like, if you're yeah, just kind of yeah. putting somebody out of their way. Or yeah, like, um, I get a lot of people who just kind of, um, like, in the grocery store will walk past me. And I used to say, oh, I'm sorry. But I wasn't really bumping into them. They bumped into me. So I do, I, I do that. Yeah, why am I saying sorry? I need to stop that, you know? Like, <laughs> Turn I'm not around sorry. Like, watch where you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> right? I do that sometimes. And people actually, like you know, get a kick out of it. So it's just <laughs> funny. I like I like making people laugh sometimes. So it's really good to just kind of be like, um, when I worked at the gas station, I'd be like, oh no, here comes trouble. <laughs> or like <laughs> just people really respond to that. And it's just... It's more it's, playful. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I try to be like um, just uplifting most of the time because I, uh, I like to cover up humor with um, pain. <laughs> I, that's one thing I've noticed a lot of people do. Uh, I've interviewed a few people, a few different people. Like one of my friends, Chance, he, he like makes light of, I, he, I have an interview with him, but he makes light of um, the stuff that he's gone through and he, he kind of just jokes about it. <laughs> but it's like everything he's joking about actually happened. Yeah. I'm like, like that, this seems to be a way that people cope with, with the things yeah. that they've been through. Like when I was actually uh, losing my hair. Losing my hair was not as big of a struggle as most people thought it was. Um, it was actually really liberating. And I looked really hot with my <laughs> bald head. I mean, I pulled that bald head off really good. <laughs> and so when I, um, I actually, I went down to a bob haircut, so I had a little bit of length. And then it started getting real thin, so I did a mohawk. And then when it got real short, I did it bald, and I posted a p- picture of me and my son Finn, and I said, "Look, we're twins." <laughs> so <laughs> it just—it really. Um, a lot of my friends actually cut their hair short and oh, kind of cool. like celerity, um, regretted it very quickly. But um, 
yeah, I was just really surprised that I had that kind of movement. Um, a lot of people will tell me um, on Instagram, because I just share, I share so much on my story. Um, they'll just tell me, oh, you're an inspiration. Um, I'm glad that I see you keep kicking, because they're also cancer uh, patients. So it's like, I can reach out to those people and share a little bit of positivity between me and my son or something like, oh, today we're playing with Jello or right. this is Finn's first ice cream. A lot of people like that. But then I also show that I'm going to chemo and I share like some of my uh, medical struggles because, you know, we're not a third world country. Yeah. Um, but it sure now, seems like it sometimes. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask your opinion on the medical system. Um, cause that was one thing, uh, Jessica had talked about was that, uh, she felt that the doctors didn't necessarily have her best interest in mind and that they were just doing uh, treatment based on like, she's just another number, you know, like this is what we do. And it, the treatment wasn't necessarily specialized for her. How do you feel about that? What is I, uh, I completely agree. I don't know if I should be still going through chemo. Um, I kind of debate, like, why am I going so long? Um, why why am I going so long? Um, if I'm in remission, why do I need to stop? Um, I ask a lot of questions. Um, I'm almost annoying. I was actually, um, I was in my lumbar puncture at Sparrow, and I decided that I was going to be switching to Breslin Cancer Center after speaking with uh, Dr. Cole. He is an amazing man. Um, he didn't really convince me to switch, but he just was really intelligent and could answer my questions and even gave me some information that I didn't know. While at my last LP in Sparrow, I was sitting in the fetal position when they were trying to find um, the spot to poke my nerves and get into my spinal fluid. And uh, they did that blindly what? for a while. They did that blindly, and then they did uh, my bone marrow biopsies without sedating me. Um, Are they supposed to? They don't have to, but if, if somebody suggests it, they're advocating for themselves so they can be put under um, and they do it with children so if I'm going through six I actually tried to go through one without um, and I ended up puking almost passing out um, I went through two of the numbing medications and after the second needle I just started getting hot I couldn't handle it um, so we had to do sedation uh, and I came out happier than a bee yeah. but um, they uh, they were doing my LPs blindly like I said and I had told my doctor I said listen I said the reason I'm switching is because I've been having a lot of back pain and I don't like my LPs being without this x-ray technology that Breslin is talking about he said well you're not going to be happy there <laughs> so I start crying I mean <laughs> Was I making the right choice? Am I going into another situation where he can talk real good? And then mm -hmm. 
I mean, I just, I really, um, I can tell you that I spoke with a nurse after my LP, my first LP at Breslin, and he, I told him that. I said, he told me that I would not be happy. He said, well, we proved him wrong, didn't we? Because I walked out of there with no pain. I didn't even feel it, and a student did it, a resident. Wow. So when you when you don't know anything about something and you trust these people so blindly, it's hard now to trust a mm-hmm. lot of people. But um, I say I tell everybody this. Go get a second opinion. Go, go, go. If you think that you need a second opinion, don't question it. Go get it. Like, you'll be happier than anything. I mean... I. Uh my dad had some health problems just recently and he had to go to Sparrow and uh, they told, what did they tell him? They, what did they tell him he had? Was it lung cancer or something? Uh, yes, he had a, a growth or something. What? Um, it was like fluid in the lungs or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know. There was a couple different diagnoses. He, he had a couple problems. I don't want to put his business out on. No, the I got you. But anyways, he had the, he had uh he was wrong wrongly diagnosed with lung cancer, and they were going to treat him for that. And then they found out later on that he actually didn't have that, and that it was like fluid in the lungs, and so they had pneumonia. Pneumonia. Okay. They had to drain it. And like, what if they just started treating him for that? <laughs> like, yeah. how how do you wrongly diagnose people? There's a lawsuit against Sparrow where a woman wrongfully lost her legs. What? I I could go on about this place, especially after I've advocated for myself so much and kind of threw their name out there. Um, a lot of people have not been happy with their um, medical care there. Right. Like I said, um, I don't want to say that I was misdiagnosed because we did think it was mastitis. I mean just from the touch. I mean, nobody would have known. Mm-hmm. And it was so quick. And I was getting all my blood work done for my pregnancy and everything was coming back fine. Like, I think the, the biggest thing for me, though, is that you hear about all these doctors who are wrongfully diagnosing people because, I mean, it's cancer is a, like a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. They're making a crap ton of money from the insurance companies. And like uh, Jessica was saying, is that she didn't feel like she had to keep going through chemo in treatment so she just ended it but they against against their will they were just going to keep prolonging it keep her on it for chronic because they make money off of it i um i know that breast cancer is so so different from blood cancer right blood cancers are very well um studied um especially with being on a pediatric protocol Right. It's it's a little different. I got I got very lucky to be 27 at the time of my diagnosis because if I would have been 30, which I'll be next year, I would have had to go on an adult treatment. Is it a little bit more? Yeah, it's longer. Okay. It's for chronic leukemia, and um, yeah, and I'm just I'm very, I've I spoke to so many people just like waiting in the waiting rooms. It's very been it's been very eye opening just speaking with other cancer survivors and people who are still fighting it um but i spoke with a woman and she was getting blood work and she was telling me that she's on chemo for the rest of her life and how old was she oh she was a little bit older she was probably 60 okay um 
but yeah, that's just the difference. I get a lot of people who say my grandmother had cancer, my aunt, my older family member, and it's just not the better outcome. Um, I think with children's medicines, it's a little more funded. And like I said, I have Medicaid. <laughs> I would be lost. I would be mm -hmm. dead without Medicaid. Right. Yeah. And if I work, I lose my Medicaid. I lose my disability. And I need those things because I can't work with my extensive chemo right. regimen. And then they don't really um, want me to send my son to daycare because he can catch viruses, which would be very bad for me. Right. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, elements to the thing, but... Yeah, that's tough. A lot of stuff that you're I can't a, really prevent. Right. You're in a tough spot with your kid because you don't have anybody really to help you. And then um, you're you're doing chemo. How how often again? Um, I do chemo about... I do chemo every day. I do oral chemo every day. But then I get infusion chemos um, every 30 days. Yeah. So And then that put, probably puts you off for about a week, right? Yeah. Um, it's getting better. Like I said, um, better quality of life. I throw up occasionally. Not so worse than a hangover in college. <laughs> I mean, I'm really grateful. <laughs> really grateful. <laughs> wow. This is deep. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about <clears throat> on the podcast? Um, I think we're, we're an hour and three minutes in. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Not really. <laughs> I mean, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can come out on top of this thing and, uh, you know, a little bit every day gets a little better. And I think, uh, I think we just got to make lemonade from the lemons that we get. Absolutely. Um, that's what my, my therapist always says. I'm in multiple therapies. You gotta be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you're doing good. You seem like you're you have a positive attitude, and you're you're wanting. <laughs> geez, just jump on up, Oliver. <laughs> um, you seem like you you're you're wanting to have a better future, and your for for yourself and for your your kid, <clears throat> your child, <laughs> your kid. <laughs> um, and uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you for the the nail thing, how can they do so? Yeah, yeah. I have a website. It's uh, www.colorstreet.com slash Chichi Nailed It. And then I also have a Facebook page you can add. It's called Chichi Nailed It. And it's a private group, so you will have to send an invite. But you can follow that. And I post tips and different manis and, like I said, giveaways. I, uh, I did a sweepstake, uh, or not a sweepstake, but I did a giveaway for um, if I got 150 members, and I hit that last month. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So what does a giveaway consist of? Giveaways. I, um, I pick up little prizes, and I give out sets most of the time. Okay. Um, I'll let them choose from my private stash. So my private stash is like $10 a set, or you can go online, and you can do the buy three, get one. Okay. And uh, that's a pretty popular deal um so i actually i'm in the process of making a qr code um so that people at the event can just scan it um i also have business cards but who uses business cards anymore <laughs> um but i'm thinking about making a link tree okay and i'm just i'm learning um yeah. little things uh things that i 
didn't necessarily know in the beginning, but. Um, what kind of things are you doing for promotion? Promotion, I haven't been, to be okay. honest with you. Um, the giveaways really help. Yeah. But uh, what we do with Color Street is uh, we have virtual bingo parties and, like, uh, family feuds and just, like, online games. Okay. Um, they've really lost their oomph since COVID kind of dissipated. But um, I really need to get back into parties. I just haven't been doing them. But I'm hoping that I can do in-person parties eventually. Um, I think that would be more fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, you know, they did the Mary Kay thing. Right. And, um, just kind of showing people how to do it and bringing different nail arts and things. And, right. Um, but for the giveaway, I usually pick up, like, face masks, socks, uh, lotions, um, just anything really that I find, uh, cool and I want to share with somebody. But I try to keep my costs down. Yeah. Um, at the, uh, East Side Fest, I'm going to have a raffle basket and I've got it filled with some goodies and stuff. And, uh, we're actually going to have a raffle. So if they buy a set, they get a ticket. Oh, cool. Put a dollar and you get a ticket. But, um, we, me and my friend, Melissa Ball, She's a paralegal here in oh, wow. uh, Mason. Okay. Um, she's been my best friend since I moved here. And she uh, she helped raise two GoFundMes for me. So we made about $2,500 on each GoFundMe. Wow. And we also just did a silent auction. So that was really fun. We collected a lot of local business items. We got the Constellation Cat Cafe. Oh, cool. Neville Plant Shop. Uh the social sloth, Hair United, just a bunch of local businesses. And uh, we had people fighting over the baskets and just trying to, like, win wow. them. And we had a, we actually had a mini picture of a waffle painted. Oh, okay. And it was gold-plated. It went for $60. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. So it was, a, it was a fun time, and organizing it was a lot of work. Sounds like it. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> but now I'm in the process of still delivering things and getting them to the people. And cool. It was it was a lot of fun making those baskets. So I kind of used that for my it. The color street helped me with that. Right. I wouldn't have had as much knowledge on like gaining connections and stuff without it. And I did. I gained a lot of connections. Actually, I met another color street artist. Oh wow. Or stylist who donated to my Oh, wow. Event, so. Here in town? Yeah. Well, she's oh. in uh, Williamston. Oh, okay. So there's, yeah. w they're all over. Um, it's huge. It's it's bigger than I thought. I should have <laughs> really thought about it. <laughs> but um, it's really hard to get into vendor shows, so that's why I'm really excited about doing this vendor show because they asked me to do it. You know, I yeah. thought somebody had already signed up. Kind of. Right. I do that. I doubt myself. Don't and do then, that. No. Every time I doubt myself, something good happens i don't know <laughs> but when i'm too when i'm too big-headed i never get it just like the other day i uh i was like man i'm not gonna buy a lottery ticket i'm not gonna buy a lottery ticket i have 20 bucks let me buy a lottery ticket and i asked the guy i was like what is hit today <laughs> what what is, what number is this on you know trying to figure out my odds and then I hit $100 on a $20 ticket. Oh, nice. So I doubted myself, but I sat there and I worked it and I got it. <laughs> That's more fortunate than I've ever been on a lottery ticket. Oh, man. I waste money when I buy a lottery ticket. I'm just hoping it's up from here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it is, too. Well, it's been a great honor talking to you. Um, 
I uh, would hope to have you back on sometime. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully I'll be doing other things and yeah, having a little break. <laughs> Absolutely. A vacay is what I'm searching for right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck at the festival, and yeah, thank uh, you. I, I hope for the best. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome.